that is, yeah, that is a good question. My name's Molly. I used to be a road racer back in the day. And now I've come back all like labelless, whatever. Yeah, that's what I do now, ride really long distances. I kind of have a personal connection to the trans cam in that I grew up right by the start of it. So it's just got like this, this weird kind of connection to my childhood and it felt like a really important one for me to do. So the Transcambrian Way, so you cross the width of Wales, it's like 168k, and then the double, obviously, you just turn around and you ride all the way back, so it's like 340k. I'm like turning around to close the gate behind me, and I hear this like noise of like dogs like growling and running. One of them then gets hold of my like ankle, like lower leg, um, and it's like on my leg. I'm screaming and shouting. I like managed to kind of hit it off my bike, get it off me, and I'm up on this like hillside. I'm just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, um, and I didn't want it to become like a suffer fest. I think there's like this culture of like, oh yeah, the more you suffer and like make it horrible. It's like, no, it's supposed to be fun. So for the second trans cam, it was mostly headwind. It was quite windy and it rained basically for the entire night. <gasps> don't want to say more about it. I don't know, I think you should go and ride it. I think it's a really cool route. I think people should ride it. And um, listen to more stories. Stay tuned Tom? for more stories tomorrow. Stay tuned for more stories tomorrow. To hear more, as my good friend Liam Yates likes to say, stories by us. More stories tomorrow. Okay, welcome back, listeners, to the More Stories Tomorrow podcast. I am sat here in Bristol with Molly Weaver after just finishing her Transcambrian Way double attempt, not attempt, completion. Um, and we're just gonna have a little chat. Uh, Molly, you wanna introduce yourself? I don't know who you are, um, where, you've, where, you've, where you've come from. Um, and then maybe actually follow up question before you even had chance. Uh, what's an FKT? That is, yeah, that is a good question. So I, my name's Molly. I used to be a road racer back in the day. Uh, took a bit of time away from the bike and now I've come back I guess as an ultra racer ultra endurance rider it's kind of all like labelless whatever but yeah that's what I do now ride really long distances try and go fast um, and what is an FKT an FKT is a fastest known time it's basically the known record for a set route um, so in a kind of unregulated world there's rules it has to be like unsupported uh, like continuous time there's sort of set routes in the UK and abroad, and it's basically who's the quickest to do them. Um, and there's leaderboards. It takes a bit of tracking down sometimes, but yeah, that's what an FKT is. Yeah, I think that, that was a pretty good summary of my understanding of an FKT anyway. Um, I guess I, I, my first question before we get into it then is, I think, so the thing I've seen is the, the website Fastest Known Times. Is, that, that, is it you that's behind that? <laughs> it's a very a very badly kept secret yes yeah. it kind of it wasn't meant to be known that it was attached to me i'm one half of it um but i kind of wanted to keep it a little bit on a it's just a resource that is kind of faceless and nameless um but enough people now have gone for fkts and interacted with me and i've said like it's molly and then it's just slowly like seeped yeah. out. So I'm kind of just embracing it now that, yeah, I'm one half of it. I, it's all, like, it's such a cool, because it's like such a big thing in running and has been forever, hasn't it? Fastest known times. And like, I guess cycling sort of had Strava. And then like, I'm surprised FKTs maybe didn't get more popularity in lockdown mm. or like, you know, in the, the middle ground. Um, 
but yeah, it's so cool to have something. And like, I think, I mean, I guess it's hard to know what's cause and what's effect. Like, did you set it up because they get more popular or they get more popular because there's now a place to have it held? Yeah. But it's just like, you used to just have to like basically sit in Google and find like the latest blog post yeah. and like... I think it's probably like a mixture of the two that it's kind of like, yeah, chicken and egg. But it, it all came about because oh, a, fr a friend of mine went and did the trans cam, the single. Um, and she kind of was like, I think this is the quickest time. But it's, yeah, you spent hours trawling the internet trying to find any kind of like resource on it. Um, and then kind of I fell a bit in love with the concept of it and kind of from ultra running. Um, you sort of think, yeah, it's such an accessible form of like competition. It's just, it's fun. People like to follow it. You can do it whenever you want to do it. And we kind of thought, why isn't this bigger, especially in like the multi-terrain world? Um, and it's probably because no one, you're like shouting into a void. Nobody knows it's happening. Um, and so we're like, oh, someone should reset up a, a page for it, which has all the maps, has all the routes, um, has a leaderboard. Um, and so we're like, oh, well, we might as well do it if we're saying someone should. Um, and I'll say the other half is my dad. <laughs> so we were on holiday uh, like a year and a bit ago. And we were just saying someone should do it. And we were like, ah, screw it, we'll do it. So um, we kind of spent a long time looking for records. That took like months to try and track them down and, and roots and stuff. Um, and then gradually it's sort of grown into also resources to find the good routes in the UK. Like we wanted it not just to be who's going to go and race these routes? You want it to be kind of, that's one side of it. And the other side is just here are all the awesome rides you can go on and be inspired to ride them. So it's kind of, yeah, developed into that. And and yeah, lots of people are going for them now, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's a huge part of FKTs, isn't it? Because obviously you've got the, the competitiveness and the competition side, but actually, so like the Lake on 200 is a good example. There's been a number of FKT attempts. Yours is one that we won't talk about but uh, today, but it means that more people go and do it because they're like, oh, what's the Lake on 200? They go sit on it and then, you know, it, it, it just offers so many extra options to, to go away and do these routes. I think FKTs, I think I was first aware, um, there was a mountain biker called Rab Wardell. He mm -hmm. did a, a video with Wahoo a couple of years ago. Um, sadly passed away early this year, I think. But that was the first, um, that's when FKT kind of came onto my radar. And I was like, oh, people actually just, because I'd always heard the West Highland Way and then I was like, oh, people actually like go out and race each other on it. Yeah. Um, but it's quite nice that it's so it's like starting to formalise and as it gets bigger. Also, you've got like the best website name as well. It's like if you type in fastest known time, it's like it's not like uh, it's just like the website. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully it continues to grow. I guess maybe before we jump straight into it, maybe a brief gloss over where you came from in cycling background and then because it's still obviously you mentioned you're a racer and you're still doing competitive things, but it's a world apart from road racing? Yeah, I think, I mean, I retired from road racing oh, a few years ago now, I think 2018 maybe, I don't really remember. So I I retired, not in the best way, I retired after like a pretty serious accident. I'd also just like my mental health had kind of gone downhill pretty rapidly. And I was just, I didn't like it anymore. I didn't love it. I kind of hated everything about the cycling world just because all this stuff was like latched onto that identity that I had. So I, I kind of went away from cycling for a while. I had a couple of times I tried to come back in some form or another. I tried to get back into road racing at one point and then I had another really bad crash and I was just like, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and you have to really want to do it. You, it. you can't just kind of be half in it. 
um, and you want to be in that fight for it. And I just didn't have it in me anymore. So I kind of took a step back again. And then I've, I've had a, a year and a bit off the bike last year and really just left it open of like, I'll come back to it if I just naturally come back to it. Um, it had been such an expectation that I would be a cyclist because that's what I've done since I was like a kid. So it, it kind of always felt like I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Like I was trying to come back because people expected me to do something on the bike. Um, and people were like, oh, but you were such a good rider. It's like, yeah, but so that's, yeah, so what? Yeah, I could be good at other stuff. So I kind of went away and then towards the end of last year was like, I'm going to get back on the bike, see if I want to do it. And I was very open to the fact that I might not. I might just go, yeah, it's cool. I can close that chapter. Don't love it sort of thing. Um, and then I was like, no, actually, I really missed this and I really want to do it. Um, and I deleted Instagram for that whole year and a bit as well. So I'd lost all of that kind of external pressure, for lack of a better word, and all that kind of outside influence that I was like, I can really do it if I want to do it or not. Like nobody even knows what I'm doing now. I've been like very absent from kind of any form of, of the cycling world. So I decided like, yeah, cool, I'll come back. Um, and I kind of sat down. I was actually with my dad it, on the same holiday we started the website that we kind of just sat in cafes like writing lists about what I might want to do and and what I want to do in my life and and if I wanted to get back on the bike um and I kind of decided like in an ideal world I want to give ultra racing a go like I want to kind of throw everything at it see if I'm good at it um and just kind of take a risk on it and we were kind of like, well, just do it then. Like, it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, if my life was different or like, oh, um, if only like, oh, have I done it like when I was younger or, oh, you know, in a perfect world kind of thing. Well, there's no such thing. But then I said like, yeah, screw it. Let's go for it. So I just went for it. And that's kind of how I got back on the bike this year. I mean, to be fair, even if you were trying to draft like the perfect childhood for an ultra race, you're probably not a million miles off. Yeah, I feel like every way into it's a weird way into it. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah it's an odd world. It's quite new as well, so you don't have that big. I don't know. I suspect maybe I suspect it's changing, but you don't have those like uh, people to look up to, or there's certainly far fewer when we were growing up, and maybe that maybe that will change. So, follow-up question: Would you say you're a rider first or a racer? Like, or maybe the other way to answer that, ask that question would be. Would you still ride your bike if there was n never even any glint of competition or is that like really what wakes you up, even if you enjoy the process of mm. riding? Oh, I would say I'm a rider first now, but it's interesting to say if there was no kind of competition side of it. I think I'd like to think yes. I think I would still do things that were challenging to me, even if there was no element of competition in it. Um, I'm not actually inherently that driven with the competition with other people. I'm, I like the fact that in this community, when you're in events where there's a race element, I like the fact that it's nice, that people want each other to do well, people are supporting each other. You kind of, I didn't like that in, in road racing ever, really. I didn't want to screw other people over to win. It wasn't, I didn't really like that side of things. So, I mean, that's nice, but I think I would still, I'd go and do big rides that were, that were challenging for me to complete. Um, but I definitely would still ride. I think... I'm just really bored of just like going on little rides. Like I've been riding yeah. since I was like, I've been riding basically full time since I was like 15, 16. That's 13 years ago now. And I've done training. I've done training plans. I've done that like to death. I have no interest. People are always asking like, what's your training plan? I don't have one. I don't ever want one again. Like, it's just not for me. Yeah, I've done, yeah, I've ticked that box. Um, so yeah, I think the riding comes first and the kind of, 
the racing and the FKTs and stuff has been a byproduct of the fact I've liked riding. I, if I wasn't liking the riding, I would stop. But it's less that kind of like, uh, that daily break or escape. It's more the like, like big things and like big rides. And because like you say, you've done every local loop there is to do. Yeah, I don't actually ride that much if it's not like a big ride. I don't, I'll go on like an hour just cause it's like after work and it's nice to get out. But I don't often just go on like a two or three hour ride just yeah. on like a lap I know. I would normally do like not much in the week and then I'd be like, oh, I really want to go and do a big ride. Yeah. I want to go and do a thing, yeah. Um, just cause that's more like inspires me to get out now. Yeah, I know what you mean, especially when it's raining and or cold or, yeah, yeah um, and there's a million one other things to do. I mean, the FKTs kind of make sense from what you said about what motivates you to, because it is that, obviously you're competing against other people, sort of, mm. but you could just go, no one would know if you didn't want them to. Um, but similarly, yeah, there's no element of competition. I think also what makes it quite unique is like, it's even different to a time trial because you're typically doing them on different days, different times of year. There's not that direct, it makes it easy to be very friendly to each other because there's, there's not that direct competition, yeah. but it is also still quite a pure form of competition, yeah. I don't know. I, I also like the fact that it's, it's quite low stakes in terms of personal yes. investment. Yeah, yeah. That's a really nice side of it is that most of them, I've had in my mind that I want to do them. So most of them I've thought, yeah, sometime this year, it'd be good to do that. And then kind of on a whim, I've then decided what weekend or week it's going to be. So then when you go to them, you obviously, you want them to go well. You like, it's a really cool thing to do and document. It's like, it's a really unique experience to like race an FKT, but you know that if it doesn't go your way, it's not the end of the world. You didn't pour like years of work into this one day. So it's quite nice in that like, there's no pre pressure on it at all. Like it's cost you nothing to go to the start line. And it's like, if this isn't the day, it's not the day, it'll just be a cool experience. And um, also like the interesting part of an FK, obviously the time is important, but like, as long as you come away with, for example, if you go to like a, a road race, it's like you either kind of win or you don't, or you know, a, a good result for you or you don't. Whereas an FKT, you might go out, have a terrible time, rip your tires, but like you still had like a good ride, a good story to tell, and it's just as interesting, yeah. which is quite unique. Um, and also I think it's so amateur in a way that like, it's not like, it's not getting to September and you're panicking like, oh, I've not had a result. I'm like, what am I gonna do next year? It's like, I'm just out here cause I want to be, yeah. which is quite different, I think. Um, Transcambrian way then, where, why, like how, is this like one of those like on a whim or have you kind of had it floating around for a while? Cause the double record is like, it's kind of been ripe for the taking in some ways for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah. So. I kind of have a personal connection to the Transcam in that I grew up right by the start of it. So it's Which kind of- Which what the Transcambrian Way is actually. Oh yeah. So, I, so, <laughs> yeah. so the Transcambrian Way, it's basically a mainly off-road, occasionally it hits a back road, but it's a really high percentage of off-road. I think it's like 70 something percent off-road. Um, crossing of Wales, kind of like, well, there isn't a coast on the east, but the, the length of Wales east to west is the kind of single Transcam. So you cross the width of Wales, it's like 168k, 170k. And then the double, obviously you just turn around and you ride all the way back. So it's like 340k. So it's twice across Wales effectively. Um, and, and I grew up on the Welsh borders on the east side. So it always felt like my home record. It always felt like, I mean, I've ridden the start area of it like hundreds of times. Um, it's kind of, 
it just feels like a very familiar one. It feels like I have some like weird ownership over it. Like, especially before there was FKTs, uh, before it was like common knowledge, I kind of felt like I'd ridden in that area and knew about it before other people. So it has this kind of like, it felt like it was like an, a, a hidden secret, like ride sort of thing. Um, and also a childhood friend of my parents, a guy that I grew up around, they used to run mountain bike events with him. Um, he's called Jerry and he mapped the Transcam. Um, and he was like a really formative figure in my childhood, um, especially around bikes. He used to like take us on the back of his quad bike against my parents' like advice and like rag us around these mountain bike routes and stuff. Um, and he mapped it. So it's just got like this, this weird kind of connection to my childhood. And yeah, so that feels, it felt like a really important one for me to do. Yeah, I've got a similar thing with the Dales Divide. Like obviously never, no ambitions on ever doing well in it, but just to finish it because like the start and finish just go through all the trails I rode. It's like, you can't not do it. Yeah, it just, yeah, it feels like, yeah, it just feels really special when it's kind of your home route or whatever. Yeah, and also it's a destination for other people in your back garden. There's something just quite uh, unique about that, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah, I guess, I mean, it's always been there then. Uh, how actually how long has the Transcam been around? Is it one of those things that's been knocking around for years and oh, it's yeah. got popular yeah, it's recently? Yeah, it's been knocking around for a long time. So I don't know how long, but oh, over a decade for sure. So he mapped it as a mountain bike route. Um, I think he mapped it with some like tourist organization or some mountain bike organization in Wales. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, so it was a long time ago. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of exploded in the past sort of four or five years. I've seen a lot of people bikepacking it. Yeah. Um, cause it is good for bikepacking. It's got bothies on the way. So most people do it over kind of three days. They'll do a single trans cam. Um, but for a long time it was kind of this hidden gem. Yeah. yeah. And is it a mountain bike route or a gravel route? Would you say? Hmm. I think, it's, it's hard to say. Everyone says that, that's why I ask you. Yeah, I would say for most people in most scenarios, it's a mountain bike route. So if I was doing it over a few days as like a chill thing, I would probably favor a mountain bike, but it's doable on a gravel bike. So I've ridden it on a gravel bike. Um, so I did the single on a gravel bike and I think it is quicker um, if you can do a lightweight setup, but it's obviously less comfortable. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's there's stretches where you, you can do it on a gravel bike, but you can feel that it's like on the limit of yeah. a gravel bike. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say it's a mountain bike route that you can ride on a gravel bike. Yeah, and the double <laughs> you did on a mountain bike, didn't you? Is that just for the extra comfort over that? Length yeah, of time? I, I couldn't have done it. Oh, I could have probably done it on a gravel bike, but it, you'd have been battered. Then it wouldn't like, be faster because you'd be broken by the end. Yeah, of it. and also I think in the summer. It's gravel bikeable. I'm not sure about the winter because mm. some of the sections are pretty rough, even in like perfect conditions. Um, there's bits where they're like basically underwater, really right. muddy. Some of the descents, I just think you're like pushing your luck on a gravel bike. You'd you'd just be like on the edge of what is possible. Yeah, which um, after no sleep for 30 hours yeah, is not, not yeah, what you want. Yeah, and, and I think if I did the single again, I'd probably do it on like a really lightweight setup on a mountain bike and kind of compare. Um, some people have done it on both and most people say a mountain bike's a bit quicker. Maybe like a super duper lightweight cross country hardtail or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so how long's it been bubbling around um, Transcam? Was it like, and yeah, why winter? Was that just like, because it's come out of nowhere and you're like, I wanna do one this weekend or was it always planned for back end of the year? So I never planned to do the double. Um, I always planned to do the single in summer. Um, and I then, having done the single, I was like, ah, oh, 
like I should I should maybe go and do the double. I feel like I kind of want to go and do it. But it's really hard psychologically to do a double. Like I definitely didn't want to. Like in the single, I just gave it everything. I had nothing left by the end. So you have to re like you know regulate your effort. Did you end up with the FKT on that one as well? Said again. Did you end up on the FKT on the single? Yeah, I got the single in summer. Yeah, yeah. So I, I already had the single, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to go for the double. And then I kind of put it out of my mind because I did other things. I was busy. I had other stuff going on. Um, and actually, I just thought I don't really like really want to do it, and you have to really want to do it. So I went off and did some other FKTs, went and did some racing. Um, then I had a few weeks off and I was like, ah, oh, I kind of want to do a winter FKT. So that came first, the idea of like, I want to do a winter FKT. Um, I like, I just think it'll motivate me to get out when it's a difficult time to get out because the weather's rubbish and the daylight's gone and stuff. So I thought I'll go and do a winter FKT. And I hadn't made a decision on what it would be. But I kind of thought, ah, oh, if you're going to go for one, it has to be a good one. Like, it has to be, like, quite a big one. One that's, like, a bit more, like, iconic, like the Transcam now is. Um, and it's logistically easy for me because I can just go and stay at my parents at the start of it. So um, then kind of spent, like, maybe a couple of days thinking about it. And then was just like, yep, yeah, cool. I'll go and do it. Um, and then it was on... It, the timing was just when I was free. So I tried it twice. So the first try... Um, was just a weekend where I was like, cool, the weather looks awful, but I'm free. Like it was gale force winds, but it was kind of the only time I had. Um, then I didn't do it on the first attempt. And then I thought, cool, I'll do it in January. I'm like done with it. I'll do it in January. That's fine. And then kind of over a few days, I was like, oh, but I could technically go this weekend and give it another bash. And I just feel like I needed to get it done then. Like it was kind of like hanging oh, over me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I, I'm just going to go and get it, like try and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually, I'll come, I'll go to the winter FKT point first. Like, I think it's a thing in running, isn't it? Like there's, or it's like winter conditions. And so is, is that something that's kind of establishing or established in cycling or is it kind of just like FKT? And if you did it in winter, like even more kudos, like. Yeah. I think it's just, if you did it in winter, like even more kudos, I think some of them are going to be hard to beat now in winter like some of the times on some of the routes you think no one's going to beat that in winter everything needs to be perfect because that's like an elite time in like perfect wind perfect yeah. like trail conditions and stuff but a lot of them are like ripe for the taking a lot of the routes have no time no known time or they've got like a pretty tame time where you think yeah it just means people can can go out and be like cool it is the time of year it is like you can wait for perfect conditions but now you're waiting till may so it's kind of like, it's quite nice. It's like, just go now and do it. We've got someone actually thinking about doing one next weekend um, on one of the routes down south. And it's not, at the moment, it's got like a pretty tame time. So it's like, cool, this is the moment that you're in. So go and like, go for it. Um, I think the nice thing about the website and like the Instagram and stuff is that we'll like shout out and talk about and document things that also don't get a time. Like if you go in winter and you do an awesome ride, that's awesome to shout about yeah. whether it's the record or not. Like, you know, it's the fastest winter time. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a completely different like beast. I've got to say, there's something with the fastest known times that like really captivates me about them, which is, so for example, someone like me who like, you know, when you get those, never in mind perfect conditions, just an elite time, it's like, right, that one's gone. I'm not going to get that. But there are, like you say, a lot of routes. I'm like, I actually could either get, well, I could definitely get a first known time. I could finish it or a fastest known time where, like you say, it's kind of uh, no one with that kind of elite performance or brain has like mm. gone for it. But then, and then there is that, especially this time of year, cause like, it's like, oh, do I go now? 
before someone who's faster than me goes away and does it. There's like that like race where no one really knows who's going to do it and when. I guess like the Transcam doubles being one that like quite a lot of people have talked about doing and no one's really, and I guess you've just gone away and done it before someone beat you yeah. to it. Like, um, and it's nice that it's out there now for someone to go after. How much do you think there is a big time difference between, I mean, obviously there's a time between winter and summer, but like, do you, do you have an eye on summer? Like, oh, I could, I could shave some time off there. Are you like, Transcam's done, it's for someone else now? Um, at the moment, it's so fresh that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do it again. But you always say that straight up. Like, that was, that was awful. It was so hard. I'm not doing it again. And then you only remember the really awesome bits of it. Um, it's a lot slower in winter. And it's slower for more reasons than you think. So, obviously, the, the trail is, like, saturated. Like... There's long grass sections where you're basically like feels like you're in like quicksand. You're just getting slower and slower and slower, and you're putting so much effort in. When that's like rock solid in summer, it's flying. it's flying. Yeah, um, really windy. It's like uh, I got good conditions for the Transcam single. I waited for good wind. That was one where I waited, and I was like, I've got wind in my favor. You're going in one direction, yeah. so it was like go for it. Whereas this in winter, you can't really be that choosy because it's always a bit questionable it's which way it's questionable i so say you'd have to be lucky for like to get a tailwind then flip around and tailwind yeah back, yeah yeah you? you're also doing a double so it's like yeah great i'm gonna have it in my face for half of it anyway um so the trails are really saturated on transcam there's bits like a bit that's called the sunken road where it's basically underwater in winter it's pretty dry in summer so you've got like a difference between like wading through a lot of it and just like smashing through it on the bike um it obviously you're a lot colder so you're riding slower because you're colder um darkness yeah darkness you've got like 13 hours of darkness versus like six so it's a lot harder to ride especially off road in the dark because you've got to be careful there's some stretches that are technically really tricky in the day so when it's night i mean i had good lights and i put them all on full i just took every light i had basically but even then it's it was also raining so like the lights just illuminated the raindrops so you're just like i'm seeing nothing but like sparkly like rain um there's also the elements of like layers and stuff. So I lost so much stoppage time because like you've got gloves on, you have to like fill up a water bottle. You're like, oh, okay, I've got to like get the top off. It takes ages. I've got to fill it up. I've got to get some out of my bag. Oh, it's like really hard to get the zip open. Um, oh, it's now raining. I'm going to put on my waterproof trousers. Oh, I'm too hot. I'm going to take off my jacket. Oh, it's like, yeah, you're constantly doing that sort of stuff. Whereas in the summer one, you're in shorts and a jersey. You don't change. You're like trying to do something really quick. Yeah. Um, like Transcam single, there's loads of gates on Transcam. I lifted my bike over every gate. I didn't even bother trying to open them. I had a really light bike. Everything was dry. So I would like sling the bike over, hop over. It's like seconds and you're gone. But this time I had a heavy bike. I had like layers on the bike that I didn't have. So I had bags that I didn't have on the single. You've got a heavier bike because it's a full size mountain bike. Um, and you're a lot tired in general. The gates are soaking wet and like they've got frost on them. So you can't really climb them. So you have to open every single one. So you like put your bike down open a gate that doesn't want to open it drops on the floor you've got to like lift it back up so like every gate takes you like three times the length and times that by like over a hundred um so just everything about it is slower yeah yeah but I, I guess to be fair that makes it quite nice that you know you've gone away and got the fkt but like having done it in winter it means like you know if you're on an even keel it might put some people off so oh, like someone put that to bed where it's actually like it's not just about who is the fastest. So you, someone could go back in summer and it could still be taken because you've lost so many little bits, which oh, yeah, is quite nice. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. Like, whereas when someone shelves the time, it's obviously very impressive, and, mm. but it's like, 
it perhaps doesn't spur as many people yeah, unless yeah. there's like a few of you in the same country going after the same uh, roughly the same performance i guess we'll go back to that other the other point then attempt number one <laughs> like how did it start how did it end and like how soon did it end actually did you get I think it was on the way out, was it? Yes, I think I think I did 130-something K, 140 K. So it's like 20-something K off, off a single. So weirdly, my head wasn't in it as much for that first one. Um, I've typically wait... I haven't had times in mind for any of them. I've typically waited till like mentally I'm feeling really up for it. So people have seen them as quite spontaneous, but normally they've been lingering for a little bit. And then I've been like, okay, I feel really up for it right now. So I've gone for it. This one was a bit more like, this is when I have time off work. This is before I go away. I have some free time. So I hadn't been quite as like head in the game. I could feel it from the start that I was, I was up for it. And I'd like said I was going to do it, but I felt a little bit, I mean, the wind was like horrendous. And from the start, I was like, this is horrible. Like, I'm just not enjoying this. Um, it would just taking me like hours to do a stretch into like wind that I could barely even like say in a straight line. Um, like a massive headwind for what had been like 10 hours. And I was just like, I'm so just, I, I'm just not enjoying this at all. Um, then I went through, I mean, I've ridden the Transcam before. So yeah, I had just hadn't encountered this, this issue, but I went through a, a gate um, into, you're kind of next to a farmyard. You can't actually see a farm or anything. You can see kind of one bit of a barn, but you can't see any of the farmhouses and stuff. So I go through a gate. I'm like turning around to close the gate behind me. And I hear this like noise of like dogs like growling and running, but it's dark. It's only about 5 p.m., 5.30, but it's already dark. And I'm kind of like, what is the, where's that coming from? And I look left and running up like this like gravel track to the side is these three dogs. And they are clearly not happy. Like they're like heckles are up. They're like growling, they're barking. And I was like, oh shit. Like I've got to get to the next gate really quickly because you're kind of between these two gates for like 20 meters or something. So right, I'm going to get back on the bike. So I get on the bike, start riding. Obviously, they're quicker than me. So they're like trying to bite me. I'm kind of, I'm like, I'm going to get off my bike and use it as a bit of a shield. So I'm using it as a shield. Um, one of them then gets hold of my like ankle, like lower leg. Um, and it's like on my leg. I'm screaming and shouting. I like managed to kind of hit it off my bike, get it off me. Um, and I then get to the next gate and I'm like, cool, I'm just going to get through this gate. It's fine. Get through the next gate, start walking up, turn around, and they've just gone under the gate. It's got like a meter underneath it. I don't know why I didn't think they could just go under the gate. So they're then chasing me for like pff, almost a kilometer that I'm just walking backwards up this hill, like basically using my bike to shield from them. They're trying to bite me, but they don't manage to get another bite in. I'm like, okay, that's happened. I'm just like, I look look down, they've like destroyed my sock and like the bottom of my like um my like tight, and I'm like bleeding, they've gone like I've got something like punctured into my ankle and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I'll get my head back in the game. Um, I'll just find a way around. Like I'm not going to go back that way. Um, so I keep going and I'm up on this like hillside and I'm just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I didn't really want to have like open wounds and I like, wade through. I had, I worked out, I had like 17 hours of riding left. I was like, I've waded through like wa like water that's full of like mud and like sheep poo and like oh, cow poo and like low and like mud and dirt. And I'm going to spend 17 hours with like open wounds, like traipsing through this stuff. Um, and to be honest, I just didn't want to do it anymore. It just like, I wasn't having fun. Um, and I didn't want it to become like a suffer fest. I think there's like this culture of like, oh yeah, the more you suffer and like make it horrible. It's like, no, it's supposed to be fun. Um, so I was like, I just, 
I could carry on, but I just don't want to. So um, I kind of carried on down the hillside um, and I called for a lift and was like, I'm finishing here. Like, I'm done. I've been bitten by this dog. I don't want to go back past them. I just, I don't want to do this anymore. So I then um, called my parents and was like, are you going to drive to the middle of nowhere and pick me up? And they were like, okay, cool. Go to this pub, which is kind of, if you go down the hillside, there's like a tiny village and there's a pub there. Like, go there because it's torrentially raining. It's freezing cold. So I go down to send this place and they were just amazing. It wasn't even a pub anymore. It'd been turned into a guest house. And like, they came out to greet me, like as I rocked up, they had these like lovely three little dogs that they like to let me sit with and like play with and stroke. And they like fed me and gave me like hot drinks and they kept me warm and like entertained. Just these like three random people. Um, what time of day are we talking about? Uh, this is now like, by the time I got picked up, like 10 p.m., 10.30, something like that. Um, and it was just really nice. Like it was like a not nice situation. And then it kind of ended on this, just like really awesome people taking me in. And like one of those just, faith in humanity restored kind of moments that I'm there like muddy and like covered in like blood and rain. I'm like traipsing through their like house and yeah, they were just great. Um, and then I kind of went home and was like, cool, that's, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. It must be quite a lot to decompress from going back after, especially if you built it up as like a, because I think something that you do that, I don't know if everyone does, but like, you know, saying you're going for the fastest known time attempt, that puts a little bit of external pressure, which to be fair, I think I would need, otherwise it'd be like, oh, too hard. But it makes that, maybe it makes that decompression a bit bigger because there's like a, you almost have to explain it whether you want to or not in some ways. Yeah, I think I try not to let the like, the fact that I've said I'm doing it put pressure on it. Because actually if I'd ask myself, why would I keep going now? it would be because I've told people I'm doing it. So the only reason I had to carry on once I decided I didn't want to was kind of, yeah, but people know I'm doing this, so I have to finish it. And I'm kind of really conscious to like not, that's not a motivator. Like it can only be a positive motivator. Like people supporting you and people following something is only a good thing if you let it be. Like if people are being really supported, they're also going to support a correct decision of like, this isn't the time. This is now like not good for my health, like mental and physical, and I'm going to stop doing it. And actually people support that. People aren't kind of like, well, now you're I'm not going to follow you anymore. And now like you're rubbish and, and whatever. Um, so I kind of made the call this year and I'm going to continue with it to be really transparent with when I'm doing stuff because I think it's fine to like not do it and not finish it or not beat a time. I think it's actually helpful to yeah. show that like, there are lots of failures and also that it's like you say it's fine yeah yeah Part yeah of it. it's it's easy to kind of only say something when you've had a success and be like oh look everybody i did this great thing but actually it's like you're sharing kind of one half of a bigger story um it's better to share like yeah this didn't go perfectly but that's life and we carry on i mean had a happy ending eventually yeah, yeah. but i guess it's it's fine even if it doesn't isn't it um yeah, yeah. and like you say i think these things are way too hard to do it for like extrinsic motivations because mm-hmm. when it's yeah you've got 17 hours riding left like there's no amount of like external pressure that can make you want to do that yeah. <laughs> it's got to be internal doesn't it so yeah what happened i can't remember i'm timings i'm trying to remember what happened after that first kind of sit back down hole in your leg mm. uh, like how did you go from there to back around again so i originally just was like cool, I'm going to take some days off. I hadn't decided to go back and do it. I'd kind of said like, there's plenty more winter. I thought probably I'll do it in the new year. Um, So actually the next day is my mum's birthday. So we like just 
ate loads of cake and like good food and just chilled. Then I came back to Bristol. Um, I didn't ride for a few days. Um, I kind of had the like wound treated and I dealt with that. It wasn't like, it wasn't awful. Um, I kind of was like, right, I'm just gonna take some days off and then I guess I'll make a decision about what to kind of do next. Um, and then towards the end of the week, I was like, mm, I feel like I really want to get this done. Like I, I now feel more motivated than I did first time. Like that kind of hesitation I had when I set off on the first time of like, I'm not really in this. I suddenly felt like, actually, I really, really want to do it now. I want to do it now more than I did the first time. Um, and th this like weekend that just went was my last chance to do it until really the new year. Um, so I was like, oh, do I just go for it? Like, is it, is it, am I doing it for the wrong reasons? Am I doing it because I feel like I have to, or I should to kind of get this thing off my back and like, you have to complete stuff or do I actually want to do it? Um, and I kind of decided like, yep, yeah, I want to do it. And I've had like a week of pretty chilled riding. I've just done like a couple of little like spins with mates. I've not really done much. And I had this weekend. So kind of like, why not go for it? Um, and just kind of get it finished. Um, and so I just thought, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to go for it. So I think it was, yeah, it was like a week and a day later. I was like, yep, yeah, that's enough time. I like, I, I, I felt... I felt worse on the second attempt. Like I could tell I had the first attempt in my legs. Like I was a little bit tired, um, but I felt mentally a lot better. So actually like it, that's more important. Over that length of effort as well. It's not like the peak powers yeah. or the hour, yeah. the hour long powers quite as important. Mm. Interesting. I guess like, let's get a little bit more into the ride then. Like what, so I've not ridden the Transcambrian way. What, like where does it start? How does it, uh, actually what time of day do you start? Cause that's such an important thing in FKT, isn't it? Like how do you, pick when you're going to hit the darkness i guess it doesn't matter because you've got so much of it but yeah yeah it, it it doesn't matter so much this time normally you either judge it on like how to get the least darkness but you can't really do that in winter um or you try and hit like peak points in the daytime so when i did lakeland i started at a time because i'd worked out when i wanted to get to certain mountains so i was like right i need to be at this descent in the light or this climb in the light so you try and like map backwards from your like your time this one didn't matter so much i knew i was going to go through one full night um so and that was going to happen regardless of how quick i rode but i definitely wasn't going to hit a second night so i knew i'd start in the morning the first time i went I started really early. I think I started at like 5.30 or 6 or something. And I had to get to the start, which is in Knighton. Um, this time I was like, well, I'm just going to start later. So I start in the light because there's no need to start in the dark in the first morning. So I think I started at like 7.30. Um, so it was just like the sunrise was happening. Because um, I knew then I'm going to go through a full night. That's going to happen regardless. Um, but I'm going to finish in like midday or the afternoon of the next day. So it was quite easy to just decide, yeah, go in the morning. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Mm. Um, and then what did, were there any particularly, or what's your favorite part of the Transcam route? And that can be either specifically the route or on that ride. Cause of, like mm. there might've been certain like moments, I guess. Oh, it's really hard to say. There's like multiple bits where it's just like like it's one of the most like stunning routes I've ever done. I'd say there's a bit where you spend oh, a good amount of time. It's at least an hour um, riding around this reservoir. It's called Clarwin. It's just before halfway. Like you hit halfway at the end of it, 
And it's a pretty tame stretch terrain-wise. It's a bit up and down, like undulating, but it's it's a stretch where there's like no gates. There's no like big climb. There's no like big terrain obstacle. So you've just done like a really hard stretch, one of the hardest stretches. Um, and then you get this bit where you, you can kind of just relax. You just get to pedal. There's like, there's no big thing about it, which, which is really difficult. Um, and you're just going around this like incredible reservoir um, and kind of the hills to the other side are just like these rolling, beautiful like moorlands. Um, and you can just switch off. It's one track. There's no direct, you don't have to look at a map or anything. Like it's, there's like field to your side and then a reservoir to your left. Like you have to just ride on this trail. Um, then at the end of that, you pop out on this road where you kind of climb up a little bit on the road and then you go over like the peak of the climb and the view, like the mountains, you can see for like just so far. Like you run out of like view before you can see the end of the mountains. And that's like a really stunning bit of it. So you hit that in the daylight and good weather then, I take it. Yeah, so I, I had a bit of a taily around that, around the reservoir. Um, and yeah, it was really clear and it was the daytime. So yeah, yeah. What was the weather doing that weekend actually? Because it's generally the last couple of weeks in the UK has been awful, so. It was pretty cold. So it had it had all right wind actually. So on the way out, it's basically still, um, which is really good. So the, the single trans cam, it was just almost no wind, which was kind of perfect. But that meant it was freezing because it had been a clear night. Um, so I started, we'd made sure it wasn't like dangerous. So it wasn't icy on the roads or anything. But once you got off road and climbed up, there was like a layer of frost over everything. So I think it was like minus one on that like first off-road stretch. Um, so that was just really cold, but it was still, so it was fine. Um, then overnight it started raining um, and on the way back, it, the wind picked up. So for the second Transcam, it was mostly headwind. It was quite windy and it rained basically for the entire night and then stopped raining for sunrise, which was nice of it. Um, so got a pretty sunrise. And then it started raining maybe two hours from the end really heavily. So it was a bit warmer, but it was really wet, that second one. How do you find that mentally? Because obviously you're two hours, you're kind of at your most tired, but you're close enough to the finish that by that point you're like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to finish it. But then it's also pretty horrible to have two hours of rain after mm. 20 odd hours, 25 hours of riding. So for me, I found from Raedus, that's kind of the only civilization you hit. So you start in Knighton. And then Rayada is about 55k in, 50k in, something like that. That's the only re refuel, like resupply place on the entire route. So you stop there on the way out and then I stop there on the way back as well. Um, that kind of feels like a pivotal moment because even though you've got a long way to go, you kind of feel like you're in the home stretch from then on. There's a couple of really hard climbs in it, but it's it just feels like a turning point of like, cool, I've, I've hit civilization, I've refueled and like I'm on the home stretch. Um, so that from there, you're mentally a little, finding it a bit easier. Um, and then you get to a point, maybe yeah, a couple of hours in the end where it's mostly downhill home and it's pretty easy terrain. And that's an area that I've ridden like so much. I, I know it like the back of my hand. I've ridden there like, yeah, hundreds of times. So it just felt like, oh, I'm just on a ride. I'm definitely going to finish. I've got this like wicked downhill to go. So yeah, mentally you're kind of just like on and up then. Yeah. Was it, uh, it must be so easy to crash in those moments though, when you're just having fun in the rain, but so close to home on trails that you know, mm. like, um, I don't, did you have any moments or is it actually, or you're so tired you can't remember <laughs> them anyway? No, I actually didn't crash on this one, which I sound surprised because I norm <laughs> you normally do like have a little spill. Um, 
No, I, I didn't actually crash, but I was being quite careful. I was also on like, I'd overbiked really. So like I had, I could take it a bit more like relaxed. You can make a few mistakes basically. Yeah, yeah, like you can let the bike slip a bit. You've got like a bit of cushioning. You have to be a bit more careful like, on a gravel bike or something. Um, but yeah, I actually, I didn't crash. The, you know, I've crashed in a lot of the others, but not this one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, so what was the previous FKT? How was there? A, maybe the question I actually want to know is what time in the ride do you think, like, I think I've got this. Was it like, or like, unless something catastrophic goes wrong, like I'm, or was it kind of the gap was quite big, so actually you're always on track to be significantly beyond pace. I don't know. Um, this one was relaxed. I I wanted to do it in about thirty hours. I did it in thirty hours twenty five. This was this was very relaxed. I I pretty much knew as long as I just keep riding. I was like, this is a pretty relaxed one. Um, a couple of the ones I did in summer were, were tight. Like, that was really tight for time. I think Lakeland, I got it by 15 minutes, over 15 22 minutes. hours. So that's nothing, really. Um, so this one was much more like, I didn't even really look at the time. Um, I'd aimed to average um, enough on the way out that I had some slippage on the way back because it's a lot harder. West to east is harder. Is it? Is oh, that yeah. more uphill than down? Or is it like a terrain? Is it just like some of the... Climbs are steep and the descents are shallow. Like, what um, is it that... There's more climbing because yeah, it's not. It's obviously not a loop, so it doesn't even out. But also just, yeah, the nature of the terrain. So mm, you don't have to hike a bike on the way out. So east to west, all the climbs are rideable. They're like pretty shallow. Um, or when they're not, they're like on the tarmac or they're on a good surface. On the way back, just the way the climbs are, um, particularly there's one, um, I think it's up onto Fadian. There's a descent you do. And it, you have most people walk the descent. It's it's on like flint, so you also think I just don't want to get yeah I don't want to slash my tire. But if you kind of jog down it, it takes you no time at all. Um, and then you end on this grass, which is it must be like thirty five percent. You're like you can barely ride down it without just sliding out. Um, when you hit that on the way back, you're hiking for like oh, so long. It's so slippy. So uh, the like the descent because it's been raining so much had become like almost this like this slow flowing like waterfall that made this like algae layer. So you were just like slipping like every step. So you were almost walking in like negative speed. <laughs> so like you were just getting nowhere. So I think psychologically, you just knew like, oh, I've been on this climb for ages. And when I descended it, it took me like two minutes. So, in the dark as well? Yeah, in the dark, yeah. Yeah, so just the nature of it. There's quite a few climbs which you can climb the side of it going east to west and you can't climb the side of it going west to right. east. So just, I think you're also tired. So like, it's hard to say, is it actually that much harder or are you just really screwed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like mentally, that's such a evil way to do a double, isn't it? Where you've got the, the hardest thing when you're the most tired on yeah. the second half of the route. And also like you say, if you were, let's say you, you were trying to break your time and you thought you maybe you could just about do it. In terms of getting the splits right, that's so hard because if you get halfway in half time, it probably means you're going to miss it, which yeah. is really hard to deal with. Yeah, you have to kind of hold yourself back, but yeah, it's knowing how much. Like, am I going too slow now? And then you're th then you speed up and like, am I going too hard? Like, it is hard to to judge. I, I just went with you. Kind of are always on it. You're not just on like a chill ride. But on the way out, I very much like held back a bit. I was still much quicker on the way out. I was 
I did 14 hours on the way out and like 16 and a half on the way back. So it's, it I is much hard, slower. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having said that, I don't think there's many 14 hour rides I've finished where I felt like fresh and ready to push it. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the idea of riding. So, did you have any rest in that, or is that thirty hours pretty much not off the saddle? Uh, yeah, I only stopped like fill up water, take layers on and off, like all that kind of stuff. That that was that was just yeah, straight riding. I had the option to stop. Like, I'd marked the bothies, and I I had stuff with me in case I needed to stop. More for like safety than anything else. I guess in winter um, you kind of need that, or if you have a crash. Yeah, so yeah, something wave. happens. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Yeah, I also like spot track them, partly because people like to follow it, mostly just for safety. It's like, there's not a signal on a lot of it. So I take like emergency blankets, you take extra layers, you spot track it, just so it's like, this is where I am and people know where you are. If you've not um, moved for an hour, yes, then, yeah. then yeah. And you have like the message feature on it, so you can be like, come help me. Um, but yeah, I, I think you judge over time how good you are at going through a night and stuff. So I know now that, I'm fine going through one night. Um, I've done it quite a few times now. Um, I know that I can... Some people can't. Some people don't want to. Or they find that they then, like... Uh, it's, it's a bit dangerous. Or, or they start falling asleep on the bike and stuff. But I'm fine with it one night. So I just go straight through, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And do you know how that looks over longer events? Or is that still TBC? Um, yeah, I... I think part of it is like what you can physically do and part of it's what is sensible to do. So I've already made the decision that I definitely wouldn't try and go through more than one night. I don't even think I would go through one night if there was more nights to come. So like on this, you know, like this is it. I'm going to go through this night and then that's it. I'm going to sleep tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Um, so in that state, I'm like, yep, it's what it's a one off. Um, if there was a second night on it, I'd probably have stopped for a couple of hours on night one and then also on night two. Um, I think kind of what's possible and what's the right thing to do are like two, two different, different questions. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Um, so in an event earlier in the year, I went through two nights. So I think I had 44 hours of riding with no stopping. Um, and I was like, okay, I can do that. That's possible for me to do that. On GB Juro, actually, I, I that was like 41 hours and I didn't stop. Um, but towards the end of that, I was like, this is now not smart. Like I'm off road. So it's not like I'm on the road and it's, it's like an element of added danger. But I was like, I've kind of learned like, okay, I can do it, but I'm not going to anymore. Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't know how it is for you, but there's that thing of where you kind of, uh, almost not aware of your near misses until about five seconds after they've yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, I nearly fell off that cliff. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. You, then, yeah, you slowly start to think like, actually, this isn't, yeah. this isn't good. And I think it's a false economy. I think you think, oh yeah, but I've saved two hours. Yeah. But then you've ridden really slowly, probably yeah. not in a straight line. Like you've probably added like kilometers while you've been weaving around the path. I guess that's um, the secret though, isn't it? Working yeah. out what is the fastest and also what you're willing to sacrifice yeah. in terms of health and yeah and yeah, yeah 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 nice do you think you would look at longer fkts then as well or is the kind of the one night two days your i guess maybe you don't know yet do you know do you have like a preferred length like what's the perfect look i quite liked like lakeham was like 22 hours I, I quite like that um in the summer that's pretty good um, I think I like ones that are kind of like 12 hours to like 20 maybe is probably what I would prefer. Um, I, it depends though. I think it really depends on the route. There's a, there's a couple that I want to do next year that are around like the 300 plus mark. 
Um, the problem when you get into like much longer than that is that obviously you're doing it like unsupported. I think you're getting into then like, it's just logistically hard to find like a week of time to do something or whatever. Um, I mean, there's a couple of like the old chalk way. That's that's quite long, but I think it's pretty fast for something of that length. I think that's five hundred. Five hundred something. something yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe something like that. But um, I think I'm I'm kind of trying to fit them in around other stuff. Like it's quite an easy thing to go and like do on a weekend. Um, so once you get in stuff that's like going to take you like five days or a week or whatever you're having to build a lot more like structure around that. It's a lot of pressure for an FKT as well. Like if the weather's bad or like, yeah, it, yeah. It, like you were saying before, if the thing you like about it is that there isn't all that pressure and all that time and all that prep, then as soon as you start doing that, it's yeah. you've got to really want to do the route, haven't you then? Yeah. Um, where to go next? <laughs> don't want to say more about it. I don't know, I think you should go and ride it. I think it's a really cool route. I think people should ride it. Um, I don't know about the, the future. I don't know, I think the future of FKTs is, is good. I I think that's going to be a really cool thing to see develop. Um, it'd be nice to see like a lot more people going for them. So um, you're going to end up filling up your own leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I only have a few more that I that I want to kind of give a go. But uh, I kind of like it when there's there's when it's tight. I, there was something more. There was something fun about that when like like on Lakeland where I was like, I really don't know if I'm going to get this. It was kind of fifty fifty from the start. I quite liked that, that it was yeah. like, I might not get this. Um, I think that was kind of quite a cool element of it. By doing things like the Trans Cambrian, you're giving that opportunity to someone else because mm. someone else now is going to have your time, but oh, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, someone has to set the, the benchmark where you get into the realms of like 10 minutes here, 15 yeah, minutes yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you left a bit of time out on the trail for someone as well. Oh yeah, there was a lot of stoppage there. Like if people look at it, you can be like, oh, I actually don't have to ride any faster. I can just stop less. Or do um, it in, like, when it's not a muddy bog. Yeah, yeah. But even, I think when I did the single, I the person who did it before had stopped for like two hours or something. Um, and I stopped for, I think, like 15 minutes. So you're like, I've just gained, I didn't have to ride any quicker and I've gained, like, I've already got it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's that's quite good, like, looking into that sort of stuff of like, okay, where do they lose time and kind of, yeah, seeing if you think you can, like, psychologically beat that. Because a lot of that is psychological, is like, not stopping. Yeah. How do you find your body reacts to that length of effort? Like, each one who gets, like, saddle sores, knee pain, hand pain, or is it all just, like, general aches that are, you know, to be expected? I do get saddle sore, always. <laughs> but I've, like, you have to just address that. You have to try and, like, find stuff that works. Like, good chamois cream, chain saddles, adjust saddles. Like, there's ways to limit it. Um, there's always some kind of niggle that you pick up. Like my, actually my left knee started hurting about halfway through the second transcam, but you're just like, put it out of my mind. It's not like really bad. It's just like, you know, over that kind of ride. And then everything just starts to hurt. Um, being used to the bike is really important. Um, kind of, I hadn't ridden a mountain bike. I did Lakeland on a mountain bike, but I'm still pretty new to mountain biking. Um, so I find like my hands and my wrists and my arm, like the position of the bars like my arms were screaming, but there's like nowhere else to put them. So you're like trying to like rest them over the bars on like the road bits. But um, by the end, you're just like so sick of holding your own body up. Um, so there's always something which starts to like really get to you that you have to be like, just ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. Um, what kind of time is that hitting? Cause obviously 30 hours, if that hits at 28 hours, fine, no problem. But I suspect it hits significantly before 28 hours. Oh, I think it depends. It probably hit me or around like half of the second transcam 
that I was like, oh, this is now like not just kind of a background thing. This now like is really like hurting. Like my arm is like screaming at me and my hands. Um, but then if you're doing something that's like a more intense effort, then probably like it might come at like a similar point, like halfway through or something, yeah. because yeah, you're, you're trying to push more. Assuming um, you know how to pace yourself. If, if it yeah. happens at the same point, <laughs> if it happens at exactly the same percentage for you, that just means you've got really consistent pacing yeah. over different yeah. amounts of time, I guess. I think it also gives you like things to work on because you can finish and be like, okay, what hurts and like shouldn't really. So you're like, okay, my arms are really hurting. I probably need to work on my core. I need to work on my like upper body. Like my wrists are sore. Like I've got like a reconstructed wrist, so I can't really address that too much. But I can like work on it to like add some like movement in it and some strength in it. So you kind of like there's things which are like, oh, that shouldn't be as sore as it is. And then you can kind of address it. Um, like on a gravel bike and a road bike, I have a lot of problems with my back because I broke my back. Um, and I'm kind of like, I probably need to work on that. I probably need to do something to address that as much as I can. So there's kind of things where you're like, I've just been a bit lazy with that. And like, it's a little bit like self-inflicted. That I've not bothered to do any like stretching or core or any kind of strength stuff. <laughs> I mean, if, if you only get it after 28 hours on a bike, yeah, <laughs> then you come home and you're like, oh, it's fine again now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, there's always going to be, like, I don't think I could sit on the sofa for 30 hours without mm. getting sore. Yeah, like, true. <laughs> it's just you can't, humans just can't do anything for yeah. that length of time. There is a point where like the hiker bike is a relief. You're like, oh my God, I can walk. And like, I'm going the same pace I would be riding. And you're like, I'll walk up this hill. And it's just like a, a nice treat. change. Yeah, what a treat, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you think mountain bike, the mountain bike type stuff is what's capturing your interest for next year? Or actually you're just going to do all the disciplines all at once? Um, just going to do all the disciplines all at once. Road included? Because I think, is that a thing for FKTs? Or is there kind of an unspoken rule that there should be like a decent chunk off road just from a, I guess, a safety point of view as much as anything? Um, I think there are road FKTs. I know nothing about them. Um, we kind of made a decision from the start, like not interested in that. We've had a lot of people ask for it. It's like, there's other resources. If you want to do that, it's not a world that I'm going to step into. Um, I think people have asked the reasons why we won't include road. And I would never do a road FKT as it stands now. That might change in the future. But as it stands now, I would never do a road FKT. I'm going to do road ultras, but I'm going to like cherry pick them to be ones that I'm comfortable doing. Um, if you look at road FKTs, they take the quickest way from point A to point B. They've gone for like, okay, we want to do a, a record between this place and this place. What's the absolute fastest you can do it? So it's like, if that goes on dual carriageways, it goes on dual carriageways. If it goes on dangerous A roads, it goes on dangerous A roads. Um, and I'm like, I'm not interested in getting involved in that. I think it's stupid. I think... You can, if you're making it, if you're making a route between two places to be the record, make it a safe route and everyone has to take that route. So and an interesting one. An interesting one, yeah. So it's still fair. If you're the quickest on it, you're still the quickest on it. It's yeah. a set route. Um, I think this thing of like, of speed over safety and like a most direct route, I think, why are we on, why are you in the hard shoulder of basically a motorway? Like what, what's the, per like what, yeah. what are you achieving there? I think it's just really dangerous. And I do believe, like, obviously bikes have the right to be anywhere, cars do, but that's up to a point. I think there's some roads where, if there's alternative roads that are safer, there's some roads where you think, like, that's just not, like, a smart move. Like, that is being used as, like, a highway. That's not something you need to be cycling on. Um, so we kind of made the decision early on of, like, I don't want to encourage that, and I also don't think it's a useful resource for the masses because people aren't going to go and ride that route for fun. That's just going to be for, like, the elite. Um, whereas with multi-terrain, by the very nature of them, people have designed them to be like the best route you can do in that area. So someone will pick an area, 
I don't know, the Peak District and be like, oh, let's make a really cool, like, off-road route that takes in, like, back roads and these mountains and this bit. So people have purposefully mapped, like, the most beautiful and the safest and, like, the one that goes on the most, like, scraggly little, like, rutted up, like, barely a road, back road or off-road. Um, so we decided, like, that feels like that's a safe way to have this, like, competition side of it. But also then we can create a resource that crosses, like, that barrier into just here's an awesome load of routes that you should go and ride. And yeah, we want to encourage you, inspire you to ride that. So that's kind of where that line was drawn. Yeah, I think think it makes a lot of sense. Similar on like bikepacking.com, I think they only hold routes that are like more than 50% off-road. And yeah, like you say, it's just, especially when you add the competition and it feels irresponsible you've got Strava for it haven't you yeah yeah and it, it, it felt Strava. like we would then be like complicit in like promoting it yeah it's like if you want to do it do it and you've you've like you've looked at health and safety yourself you've got yeah. your reasons for doing it and like you've looked into that you've addressed that on like a personal level whereas if we're basically promoting that you go and ride that route it just felt a little bit like dubious yeah and yeah we weren't yeah. comfortable with it and I guess ultimately, if it is a personal project, obviously you're trying to add value for other people there, but also it's got to be what you're interested in. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, we know nothing about that world. It's yeah. not really a public... I mean, it is a public service, but yeah. like, it's not how it started yeah. and yeah, yeah. it has to be stuff that you're yeah, vaguely interested in. Do you think you ever do like any of like the... I always see the ones that feel so inaccessible to me, like the ones they do in like, the snow on fat bikes, but they look so cool. Yeah. Like, I know crossing... Iceland, Norway in the middle of winter or something? I feel like at this point, no, but I've said no about like most things <laughs> and then I've ended Pretty up doing it anyway, yeah. I think I was like, I'm never going to ride a mountain bike. Went and got a mountain bike, did like the Lakeland and then did this. I've entered stuff next year on a mountain bike when I was like, it's never going to happen. I also said I wouldn't do a road ultra probably. I'm doing them next year. So I think you kind of don't know until you've been through the process of, so I'm entering like Highland Trail 550 next year. I wouldn't have entered that if I hadn't been Lakeland. So it's really easy to say like, nope, never. Yeah, but you think maybe in a few years time, I do something that's like a gateway into that. And I think that's the kind of thing about like giving people access to parts of this world and like creating platforms for like different groups to get into this. It's like once you've done stuff you can do more things so things that feel like completely out of reach it's rare that you go straight to that massive thing it's more common that you kind of try something that's like halfway there and you're like oh okay well if i can do that and i like that i can now take the next step um so maybe someday i think next year i'm i'm doing a lot of ultras um across like gravel mountain bike road bike partly because i think it's more interesting to mix it up and you can kind of cherry pick really cool ones from each of like the world's I think it's a bit better on your body to like have a bit of a spread. Um, Like if you do only ones that are like on the limit of a gravel bike, like you're destroying your body all the time, like roads a bit easier on your body. Um, I I think it's just interesting. It's it's also a chance to learn what you like. It's funny you say that. I find road harder on my body because there's less movement. Mm. So for me, I'm like, I get my saddle sores are worse on the road. My knee pain's worse on the road because on the mountain bike, you do have those little bits. Yeah, micro adjustments all the time. And I don't have quite the same shoulder and wrist issues. So it's Mm. it's funny you say that. I guess it's just what you're most adapted to. Well, I mean, we'll see. I've not done one yet. So maybe (laughs) you're right. Maybe I'm like, oh God, this (laughs) is a bad decision. 30 hours on the road. Oh my God. (laughs) I think it's just worth like learning what you like and kind of... Yeah. I guess what inspires you as yeah, well. Like, like we're saying, it. it's too hard to not enjoy it. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, do you think you'll do mountain biking like recreationally as like, uh, you know, like you were saying, you you kind of don't do a huge amount of riding. Is there any part of you that appeals like, I don't know, mountain bike trail centers or is that just something that's, it's a vehicle for doing these big adventures rather than yeah. a fun toy in itself? Um, I do go out of like my mate who's a mountain biker. We go out into like the roots around like the woods here in Bristol and stuff. It's fun. I think. 
I've I've actually been doing that a fair bit lately, just because it's different. And like you're just looking for stuff to mix it up. Like I've not done that before, so it's kind of a cool new thing. Um, I think this year has been a bit kind of me just feeling my way through. Like I had to get back on the bike, so I had to have some kind of structure to kind of try and get some fitness together. So it's been a bit of a chaotic year because I've just been like trying stuff and seeing what sticks. Um, and most of it's been like a bit of a whim. Most stuff's been kind of like fairly spontaneous just because I've not known where I'm going to be. Um, whereas next year is more structured. So I'm going to have to have a bit more of like a structure around that. Like even if it's like a loose one. So I probably will need to do more like riding in like a consistent way rather than just like going off and doing something and then sitting around for like a week. And then, um, so I, I think probably I will end up doing more like recreational, like short stuff. Um, but we'll see. I get that's the fun bit about mountain biking though. You can just like, you can go out and do three hours. Think you've just had a load of fun. Mm. And you've also been on a ride, especially if you know, you know, maybe you want to improve your technical skills off road or yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, cool. I mean, we've been been talking for an hour and 10 minutes now. So <laughs> I think maybe that's the maybe that's the trans cam. I'll give you you can have a final a final run in as I think maybe we've got everything down. But is there anything, anything, any last any last uh, any last remarks? No, I, th I think we've covered we've completed we've already. It. Yeah, I think we've completed it now. Yeah, <laughs> maybe ask me in summer if I go and do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on uh, fastest known times for you to go and take your own record again. Great. Well, thanks for chatting with me. That's yeah. Coming to uh, Spotify soon. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs>